said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Andrew Russell. Just before I address this topic, can I just invite you just to bow your heads with me again for a short prayer. Let's pray. Loving Father, we um, want to hear you speak today, Lord. And um, we ask again, Father, that you would just um, draw our minds toward you today. May we put off the distractions, Father, of the week. May we switch our phones off, Lord, and have this time, Father, undisturbed, Lord, where we sit at your feet. I think of what uh, Jesus said to Martha when Mary, her sister, was sitting at, at the feet of Jesus. And Martha called for her to come and help. But Jesus said that Mary had chosen that good thing which shall not be taken away from her. And so it is a privilege, Lord, to, to have an audience with you as you speak to us from your word. Now grace us again, Lord, with your Holy Spirit and teach us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The true source of gender confusion. The title of our sermon or our message today is a confronting one, isn't it? It's a confronting uh, title. It speaks to one of the dominant issues of our time, which is gender confusion. I chose that title for a reason. I chose it so that people would immediately identify what the topic is, especially as it's uploaded onto social media. Because I'd like others to hear um, and understand as well. So what is gender confusion? Let me begin by giving you a dictionary definition. Gender confusion, an individual's feeling of not identifying with his or her assigned gender. And as a result, the individual does not behave or identify as strictly male or female. I think that's a fair definition? Yeah, fair definition? It's the feeling of not identifying with your, particularly, with your particular assigned gender, whether that be male or female. And uh, as a result, your behavior then follows. Um, your behavior then follows. So it involves feelings. It involves identity and behavior that is not consistent with one's gender. It may result in what's called gender dysphoria. Who can tell me what gender dysphoria means? How many have heard the term gender dysphoria? Put up your hand. All right. How many of you know what it means? Okay. One of you. Okay. So gender dysphoria. Psychologists define a gender dysphoria as this, uh, as in this way. It's psychological distress that results from an incongruence between one's sex assigned at birth. Yeah? So it's psychological what, everyone? Distress. That results from an incongruence between one's sex assigned at birth and one's perceived identity. Okay? 
and one's perceived identity. So how is one's sex assigned at birth? How is it determined that whether you are male or female at birth? Chromosomes? Yeah. What else? Genitalia? Isn't that right? Can I use the word penis and vagina in our sermon today? Nothing to be ashamed of. These are body parts. No different to say in an arm or leg. Okay? We've got to move past some of these uh, little unnecessary discomforts. But a male would have a penis. A woman would have a vagina. That's the body parts that God has assigned to them. And so this is how one's assigned sex is determined at birth. And, uh, but when there's gender confusion, then what often happens to many is that, uh, that experience that, that they experience then gender dysphoria, which is mental stress, psychological distress as a result. Um, I want to share something with you that psych- psychologists actually note here. They note that gender dysphoria often begins in childhood. Some people may not experience it until puberty or much later. So whether a child, whether a child or someone of older age, individuals may have feelings of attraction to the same sex, or they may feel like they're male when in fact they're female, or may feel like they're female when in fact they're male. And this often, as we mentioned, really um, results in great confusion and uh, psychological distress. Okay? Now, if you actually listen to psychologists, they'll actually tell you that, that that's something that has been there for a long time. They've had to deal with that. They have worked with children and they've worked with adults that have experienced that. And many of them have moved past that. Okay? Um, after getting the help. So it's something that actually a lot of people have experienced, not only those who identify um, as something other than what their sex would be. Not only those, but many have experienced it. According to uh, statistics, approximately, um, yeah, you can see there, 0.002 to 0.003% of females Uh, are diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Now, I've got the 240,000. Why do I have that there? Because I did some calculations. Out of a world population of 7.9 billion people, 240,000 have been diagnosed with gender dysphoria. When it comes to males, it's higher. It's anywhere between 0.005% and uh, 0.014%, and actually equates, on the higher end, 1,120,000 males have consulted with psychologists or with the medical profession because of gender dysphoria. Is that a high number compared to 7.9 billion people? No. It's an absolute fraction. Now, there, of course, there may be those that... Uh, haven't gone and sought medical care yet, so the number may be higher. But it's such a minute fraction of the world population. Um, Gender dysphoria is not something to take lightly. You can imagine someone's struggle when they're experiencing this. 
maybe perhaps we can't even imagine what that struggle would be like. Because perhaps not all of us have experienced that. Even in the church, people have experienced it. People in the church. Okay? But we may not all have experienced it, and we, we could never say that we understand what that struggle is like. But I believe that born-again Christians will not show feelings of disgust toward those who have feelings or identity or behaviours associated with gender confusion. Would you agree with me? As Christians, we should not have feelings of disgust toward those that struggle with this. I believe that born-again Christians will have the deepest of compassion. The deepest of compassion and show the greatest support to such who suffer that kind of distress. Amen. The Bible indicates the reason, the reason for gender confusion. Did you know that? Let's go with me in your Bibles. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 20 to 22 to begin with. Romans chapter 1. It's right here in the Scriptures. I mean, this is the Bible's answer for gender confusion. Whether you believe it or not, this is the biblical uh, foundation for gender confusion. Let's read Romans chapter 1, verse 20 to verse 22. It says here, For the invisible things of Him, that's God, being invisible, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are, what? Made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the Bible says here that, that the revelation of God is seen uh, at first glance by virtue of the incredible creation that surrounds us, in, in fact, of which we are a part of, so that, um, so that the invisible God can be, um, well, we should say nature testifies to the reality and the presence of God. But in verse 21 it says, because that when they knew God, in other words, in spite of this, in spite of this, they glorified Him not as God, neither were what? Thankful. Neither were thankful, but became what? Vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became what, everyone? They became fools. And so, even though there is, you know, evidence everywhere for the presence of God, the miracle of life. I mean, if you haven't figured out that life is a miracle, then I don't know. If you think life is just by chance, as some scientists believe, bing, bang, boom, there we are. Survival of the fittest now. That's, uh, that was Darwin's theory. Survival of the fittest. Um, it's very sad. Because life is a miracle. And things work in sync. And all of life is interdependent upon each other. Isn't that right? We're all codependent. And so the Bible says that in spite of all this evidence, people, rather than, than seeking after their God, which the Bible says they would find Him if they sought after Him, um, they decide rather that they would... Um, they would not glorify him. Um, they would glorify themselves, essentially. 
That's what the Bible is saying there. They are not thankful for the life they've given, and instead they become vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart becomes darkened, darkened with the absence of the knowledge of God. But they believe themselves to be wise, and you know when men become wise in their own eyes, that's often the time they stumble and fall, isn't that right? They became fools. Self-glorification is a feeling or expression of one's own superiority above the superiority of God. Does that make sense? Self-glorification. Instead of giving glory to God, self-glorification is a feeling or expression. This is the definition I looked up. Of one's own superiority above the superiority of God. Is it possible to live a life whereby God is glorified? Yes or no? Amen. Amen. It is possible. Is it possible to live a life of thanks for the, for the life that we have? For the gift of life? For the miracle of life? When we have our children, we see the miracle right, of a baby born. Is it possible? Oh, yes, it is. It is possible. Jesus lived such a life. Jesus lived a life to the glory of God. But the Bible tells us that it is because men rejected the glory of God for, their, for the sake of their own self-glorification that sin then has overtaken the nature of men so that they would do things that are unnatural. And we find that as we read on. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 there again, but let's read verse um, 26 to 28. Notice what the Bible says here. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 28. The Bible says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. In other words, He respects their choice. He gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against what? Against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust one toward what? Another men with men work in that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat or which was due. In other words, they will receive the results of those actions. Who remembers the tremendous impact that the HIV pandemic had on the world? Remember that? Terrible thing. And particularly suffering was the homosexual community at that time. Rampant. And God says that men meet the results when they follow a course that is contrary to nature and contrary to the uh, creation that God has designed. And yet we find men today that are arguing the case that their identity is determined by their unnatural feelings. Isn't that true? Their identity is determined by how they feel. And yet God has given us a knowledge as to how those feelings have come about. And so there is confusion. There is confusion. Um, you know, I uh, was reading an article uh, from a minister who struggled with this 
and who still struggles with it. And um, he, uh, he's left the ministry. And I was reading his article. He was, um, I don't know if you know him, Andre Afamasaga. He was a Seventh-day Adventist minister. It's not only unique to Seventh-day Adventist church, but you know, the other ministers that have struggled as well. And I've read some of their comments. But I, I, I listened to the struggle that he had with this unnatural nature, or what the Bible really refers to as sinful nature. He said, I was told celibacy was the remedy for homosexuality. Is that the remedy? No. Not sure he was speaking to. I became immersed in the church's ideology that gayness was akin to brokenness. Is gayness akin to brokenness? Yes or no? Is gayness akin to brokenness? Yes or no? Yes, it is. Amen. Okay. It's an unnatural uh, you know, disposition that individuals have. So, of course, gayness is akin to brokenness. But is it the church's ideology? No. Whose ideology is it? It's God's ideology. I learned that God wanted me to be straight. Is that what God wants? I'm really getting you to think today, church, all right? I'm testing you here. Is that what God wants? Did God want him to be straight? Yes or no? Yes, you sure? No? What's the first thing that God wants? God wants us to be in a saving relationship. That's what God wants, amen? That's what God wants. God wants us to be in a saving relationship with Him. One that saves from sin. He says, When I was employed as a pastor, praying the gay away consumed me. Now you're getting a picture of the struggle that this man is having. He was trying to pray the gay away. Um, I absorbed the Bible, books, sermons and talks. After 15 years of effort without sustained success... I realized I was naive and misled. True or false? Hmm. So much silence. True? In his experience, yes. By his experience, no change. Is that why we absorb the Bible, books and sermons and talks? Do we, do we absorb the Bible in books and sermons and talks so that we can be changed? Is that why we do it? No. This was a Sydney Morning Herald article by which he had his coming out in a very public way and, and really was accusing the church of being misled and misleading him. Isn't that unfortunate? I don't read the Bible and listen to sermons so that it can change me. Why do we read the Bible and listen to sermons and pray? Because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the only reason why. His conclusion was it was possible to be gay and Christian. Is it possible? No. No, not when you're rejecting the ideology of God. Amen. 
not when you're willing to be honest with what the Word of God declares. And so he suffered gender dysphoria. He suffered gender dysphoria. You know, in um, 2008, famous singer Katy Perry released a song called I Kissed a Girl. Who's heard of that song? Yeah, okay, very popular. What's the end part of that sentence? I kissed the girl and? I liked it. Do you know famous uh, music uh, magazine Billboard viewed that song as the beginning of the LGP, sorry, LGBT awareness in pop music? It's amazing the influence that this has. Um, it was the beginning of the LGBT awareness in pop music. In 2014, Caitlyn Jenner became the first openly transgender woman to be featured on the cover of Vanity Fair. Anyone know who Caitlyn Jenner is? Caitlyn Jenner, was, his name was initially Bruce, right? And was, Bruce was the father of who? Of the Kardashian family. That's right. And so now on this major magazine spread, we have um, a transgender posing as a model on the, in, in Vanity Fair. And the accompanying statement says that that opened the door for sexual fluidity. In 2020, Disney Pixar featuring... As, um, featured the first LGBT character in Onward, the character named Officer Spectre. Okay, Disney movies now, okay. Officer Spectre will be a cyclist cop voiced by openly gay screenwriter and actress Lena Waithe. Okay, and so um, Disney released last year this, uh, this movie uh, with this character. Um, Yahoo Entertainment reported that. Uh, they go on to say, while this is Pixar's, sorry, Pixar's first LGBT character, this isn't the first time Disney has featured such persons on the smaller screen. The multinational mass media and entertainment company has been slowly adopting and promoting LGBT views as seen on its television shows and movies such as Beauty and the Beast. It's not a matter of just identifying now because of feelings. It's actually promoted. It's espoused as normal. It's espoused as normal. What does that do? What does that do? Confusion. Brings confusion. Thank you, Katie. You know, um, a new man by the name of, uh, I'll call him Rob. Uh, you know, Rob came and spoke with me one day and he said, uh, I'd like to talk to you about something. He says, I, haven't, I need to talk, I, I want you to be my accountability partner. He said, I can't talk to, to, to any, I haven't spoken to anyone else, not my mum and dad or my friends and so forth, right? And, and uh, so he said, I've been watching you for a while. I think you can be trusted. And uh, he opened up about uh, this uh, gender confusion that he was experiencing. He knew God. He knew God. And he knew God loved him. But at the same time, he was recognizing this deep-seated struggle that he'd been having for some time. 
uh, going on in his own life, and he felt helpless to overcome it. And I, um, I remember talking to him and asking him, you know, when, when, when did this first surface for you? When did this first surface for you? And he said, well, for him personally, he said it went back to some time when he was looking at images uh, on the internet, and he said that, um, he's, he's particularly images of muscular men and so forth, and he said and he had a bit of a, um, he had an image complex in regard to his own body, and he admired those bodies. But the more he looked, the more he began to be attracted to that. See that? The more he began to attract. And it began to overtake him. And of course, the individuals end up with male porn and so forth, if they're males or females as well, the same thing. And so this was his struggle. And I remember telling him something very important. I said, you know, the Bible describes, describes uh, the, the truth of God's word as a seed. Isn't that what Jesus, you remember the parable of the sow of the seed? Where he sprinkled the seed, okay? And I said, and, and, and truth is like a seed. And the Holy Spirit is able to water that seed so that it grows and so that you grow in faith and in the knowledge of truth. Uh, when it comes to the revelation of God and his salvation. And I said, but there is an enemy as well, and he can plant a seed too. Isn't that right? You see, Jesus talked about a good tree bringing forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth what? Corrupt fruit. And I said, and if you keep watering that seed and watering that seed by continuing on that journey and continuing on the journey, what's going to happen? You end up confused. To the point where some will push God away and choose their own way. And God has to give them up, as the Bible says, because love never forces. Love never forces. He ended up with gender confusion, Rob did. Very important that we are mindful of what we look at and what we expose ourselves to, ourselves to, even our children. You know that the spirit of prophecy um, gave to Ellen White some wise counsels to give to the church. Um, now remember, in Ellen White's time, there was no television. You know, there was no internet. But there were books. And there were naughty books, there were all kinds of books, but the devil will work through these various mediums if he can. Listen to this. To those, uh, um, Council from Spirit of Prophecy, um, it says here, to those who feel free to read story magazines and novels, I would say, this is now in the context of fiction, okay? I would say, you are sowing seed the harvest of which you will not care to garner. We'll produce a harvest, see that? But it's not going to be a good harvest, it's going to be a corrupt harvest. From such reading there is no spiritual strength to be gained, rather it destroys love for the pure truth of the word. Through the agency of novels and story magazines, Satan is working to fill with unreal and trivial thoughts, minds, that should be diligently studying the Word of God. That's from Adventist Home. It's in relation to how the home should operate. 
for the children and for the adults. How many are so caught up on fiction? And you know when you're reading fiction, there are all kinds of things that you can pick up and all kinds of seeds that can be planted along the way. How mindful should we be as parents as to what our children actually look at and read? What does the Bible tell us? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure. You know that? Right? Whatsoever things are pure. The Bible says, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Think on these things. Not the unnatural. Not the fiction. And that's straight from the Word of God. Only then is a good crop produced. Amen? A good harvest. Only then is the fruits of the Spirit manifest in the life. Now, in the, begin in the beginning of creation, there was no gender confusion. Do you know what there was? There was gender certainty. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. We'll read down to verse 25. Here we're reading about when, when Eve was made as a partner to Adam. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 to 25. The Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a man and brought her unto the man. Is that what your Bible says? No. What does it say? Made he a? A woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his, what everyone? Unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The use of the word wife there indicates the very first marriage that, was, that took place under God's um, ordaining. And that marked the commencement of community and unity. And of course, God said in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So here we have a very clear example um, of gender certainty. Isn't that right? Male and female, gender certainty. Um, the Bible even says that they were, um, says there in verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The Hebrew word for ashamed is pronounced bush. It means that they were not put to shame. They were not disappointed. They were not confused. Everything was crystal clear. In fact, it was a delight. It was a delight. Everything was as God intended it to be. Everything was just as God intended it to be. And the Bible says in Genesis 1, verse 28, that God blessed them. 
he blessed them and he uh, told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And that is why um, our biological identity is based, is determines uh, what gender we are. That is why. Our etern internal reproductive system determines that for us. If I can't bear a child, right, uh, um, because I don't have that reproductive system that a woman has, that means that I am what? I'm a male, isn't that right? But, but someone who has that, of course, is um, female. So let me ask you, when we understand the difference between gender confusion and gender certainty, which of these signs are accurate? The first one says, if God didn't make gays, there wouldn't be any. The other one says, God made them male and female and said, a man shall be joined to his wife. Which one's the right sign? The one on the right, isn't it? The one on the right. Did you ever wonder why um, Jesus never had a relationship? Ever think about that? Ever give it much thought? Ever why Jesus never had a relationship? Do you know why? It wasn't his purpose. <laughs> It wasn't his purpose. It wasn't his purpose in life to have a partner and get married. It wasn't part of God's plan for his life. Did he accept that? Yes. Was he miserable? No. Was he happy? Yes. Was he happy? Yes. As long as his father was glorified and his fellow men were saved, he was overjoyed. He was overjoyed. Some years ago, or maybe two or three years ago, um, I had the opportunity to meet Wenda. Have I told you about Wenda? Maybe some of you, I think I've spoken to some of you about Wenda before. But uh, Wenda um, was introduced to me by her best friend. I actually got a phone call. And uh, I got a phone call from this lady, and she said, um, Pastor Andrew, look, you've come. Uh, I was, had a friend of mine said that, that you may be good for this task. I said, what is that? She said, I want you to come. Thanks, John. <laughs> Recommended me. <laughs> I want you to come and, uh, you know, would you consider doing Bible studies with Wenda? I said, okay, why, why me? And she said, well, because Wenda's a lesbian. But she's a Christian. And she wants to be baptized. I've talked to her about baptism and, I, and she should be baptized. And uh, I thought to myself, okay. I said, all right, let me have a prayer about it. <laughs> and so I prayed about it. I said, all right, I'll go. So I met Wenda and Wenda was lovely, uh, very welcoming. She said, I want to be baptized. Can you baptize me? My friend Christelle says I should be baptized. And uh, so I said, well, that's wonderful, Wenda. Praise the Lord, I said. Wonderful. See, that's where you've got to start. That's where you start. And I said, okay. And I said, okay, well, um, let me explain to you how it works. Generally, when we baptize someone, 
we just like to um, go through some studies with them so they have a proper understanding of who God is and, and um, you know, some of the things that God wants you to know in His Word of God. And, and uh, yeah, just make sure you've got a proper understanding of those things so that you can make an informed choice. So Miranda says, I believe in God. <laughs> I believe in God. She says, I've known him most of my life, she says. I said, okay. I said, no doubt you do, Wenda. No doubt you do. But I said, but let's just, that's generally how it works. And I'm there just to support you in your spiritual journey. Okay, and so uh, I said, so does, does that sound good to you? And that way you can be prepared um, for baptism um, based on that choice that you, that you want to make. And so she said, okay, agreed. So I began to meet with Wenda week after week. And uh, we began to study. And not once did I raise the issue of gender or same-sex relationships. Not once. But we just studied. And we studied. And we studied. And Wenda didn't really understand the gospel. And when we studied on the sacrifice that Jesus made and his love, his unconditional love for the sinner, uh, Wenda cried. I mean, she broke down in tears. And she said, I never, I never knew that like that. She said, I'd never seen that. And, uh, and I said, yeah, that's God's love for us, each one of us. And I said, that's the foundation for your decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was so happy. Then we continued to study. One day I turned up at, uh, for the study. This is probably, I don't know, longer later, but, um, but I turned up and she, the very first thing she said to me, Andrew, I want to discuss same sex with you today. <laughs> I said, okay. I knew it was coming eventually. She said, Andrew, tell me. What do you think of same-sex? She says, because I know what I am, Andrew. I know what I am. And no one's going to tell me any different. This is who I am. This is who I've always been. And uh, so she says, so, so are you telling me that I'm wrong? And I said to her, well, Wendy, it doesn't matter what I tell you. I said, uh, I just support you in your journey, but this is where you've got to get your information and your answers from. And she said, no, Andrew, stop being around the bush. Tell me now. And I said, Wenda, again. I said, Wenda, it doesn't matter what I say. I said, I only believe what this says here. This is where you get your information from and uh, as a Christian. And she went, all right, Andrew, show me, show me, show me. So I took her to the text we went to today, Romans chapter 1. How women left, uh, you know, went after the unnatural use and men as well, burned in lust one for another. And when I read that, Oh, I could tell that really hit Wenda like a dart right between the eyes, you know. Her whole body just slumped and she was absolutely shocked because the scriptures are so plain. Many people try to play around with these scriptures, but it's so plain, it's so clear. She said to me then, Andrew, where does that leave me? Where does that leave me? I said to Wenda, that leaves you in need of a saviour. In need of a saviour. Well, Wenda was a bit upset, naturally so. She said, Andrew, I think this is the end. Uh, just, we've got to put a hold on these studies. And 
don't come next week. I said, okay. And I thought, well, that was the determining moment or factor, you know. Would the studies end there or would we continue? That was on a Tuesday I used to study with her. On the Sunday, Wenda rings me and she says to me, Andrew, she rings me up and she's actually she's crying. And she says, Andrew, something happened. I need to talk with you. I need to talk with you. And so I said, okay. And I said, you want me to come on Tuesday? Like, no, she said, yes. So I came around there. And she said, Andrew, I was walking through uh, Newtown. And she said, Andrew, you know Newtown. You know, lots of same-sex relationships there. You know, they're holding hands, walking. And I said, yeah, of course, of course. You see, I, never, I was never one to judge people on those things. This, even this message is not a message of condemnation. Okay. Um, if you know a bit of my background, I used to party around those areas, uh, up on Oxford Street and through Newtown, in the clubs. I've been in some of the gay clubs myself. You know, I had friends that identified that way. And, you know, they'd come to, you know, we go to clubs and come to my club, I'll go to your club, no problem, okay? I've never had those, those uh, any, any ill feelings or kind of judgment toward anyone. I understood what Wendell was saying. Of course, Newtown was full there of alternative lifestyle people. And, uh, but she said, Andrew, on this, she said, I was walking through there and I was looking. And she said, and Andrew, it's like, it's like something just came upon me. And she said, and I got... I looked, and she said, and it was like for the first time I saw what God saw. And she said, and I became physically ill. I ran into a laneway, and I literally was nauseous. And she said, I get it, Andrew. I get it. And we went on to study, and uh, the other pastor from the church that a friend was taking her to, he was also supporting her. And we both baptize her. There's only me there, but we both baptize her that day because we realized that she'd come to know the Lord. Do you know what Wenda wrote? Wenda wrote her story in this copy of The Interested. You can find it online. If you just put in inverted commas, Wenda comes home, right, and put in Greater Sydney, it'll come up. You can read her story. But what Wenda says there, she says, I used to identify on the same-sex front, okay? I'm paraphrasing, okay? I used to identify this way. I used to identify this. But she says, but now identify, I identify as a child of God. Amen. Now I identify as a child of God. I didn't try to pray the gay out of her. See that? But she identified as a child of God. That's all God desires for us. That's all God desires for each one of us, that we identify as children of God. Some say that, you know, I was born this way. I've had that from, from the time that I was born. Is, is that true or is that untrue? You see, true, untrue, always get that. It's what? You don't think they were born that way? You don't think they were born with those inclinations? It's true. We are all born with sinful propensities. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? We are all born with unnatural tendencies. 
And Satan wants to cultivate those tendencies, see, and that's what he tries to do. So it gets stronger and stronger as we grow, and, and, and then we identify a particular way. See that? That's what the Bible teaches us. It gives us the answer for, for the true source of gender confusion. But it doesn't leave us there. It doesn't leave us there. And when we accept Christ, and when the soul accepts Christ, not because they have to change their, their, their gender identity, that's not why we receive Christ. We receive Christ because He first loved us and He gave His life for us. He understands, having walked in this world as a man, He understands and He was a witness to the struggles of human nature. There was nothing in Christ's day that is not happening today. He saw it all. And whether you're someone like, uh, like, what did I say his name was? Rob? Who came to me and spoke with me. And I told him the same thing. You need a saviour. Okay. He's a happily married man with his first child today. But Wenda wasn't like that. Wenda didn't have that change as he did. But that didn't stop Wenda from identifying as a child of God. And Wenda accepted who she was in Christ and wasn't going to give the other inclinations any more consideration. Can you see that? She didn't say, well, God doesn't want me to be happy because I can't have a relationship. No, that's what some are saying. What, are you trying to tell me, Pastor, that God doesn't want me to be happy in a relationship? I'm telling you now that there are people that are heterosexual, that have never married, but they're happy. Because their happiness is found in Christ. Amen. I will not profess to know your struggles, just like you wouldn't profess to know and understand my struggles. But what we can all say with absolute assurance is that Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And He gives us a new life with Him. Amen? With Him. And so I am mindful of the fact that we may have someone struggling with some of these issues in our church today. Oh yes, sin is everywhere. Our natural tendencies are everywhere. And I'm also mindful of how some of us have misunderstood this issue and mistreated or spoke ill of those who struggle with the issue. Either way, Christ calls you to himself. Either way. Because the only true peace that one can have, the only real identity that we can have, is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. God offers not gender confusion, but gender certainty. And God offers us the capacity to support and love someone and not be ashamed of them because they're going through those challenges. If there's any place they should be, it's here in the church. Regardless if it's your child, your brother, your sister, doesn't matter. We are here to support them. We are here to love them. We're not going to try to pray the gay out of them. No, we're only here to support them in their relationship with Jesus. How many of you would like to say, yep, I want to take that position 
in my church. Amen? Amen. Amen. And if you're struggling, Jesus knows your struggles. He loves you. And he's put a love in our heart for you as well. Never feel, never feel that you're not welcome in this church. Or any church. And may God forgive us where we've misunderstood how to minister to those who are struggling. When we've said the wrong things, sometimes you best keep silent if you don't know what to say. Amen. But God is a healer and he is a restorer, as we've learned today, as he's worked in the lives of others who have struggled. Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for teaching us and giving us wisdom, Father. In a world that is struggling, Father, and is confused, not only about this, but many other things. So many of those that have been confused, Lord, have come to you and find a joy and a peace and a happiness, Father, they've never experienced before in all their years of gender confusion and gender dysphoria. And you are still alive and well today, Lord, working in the lives of those who have those struggles as, we, as we've been witness to today. Father, Lord, teach us what love really looks like. Teach us to help and support others. Lord, teach us how to be redemptive in our words and our actions rather than condemning. And we thank you, Father, as we receive your spirit today that enables us, Lord, to walk with you as we should. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message was made available by the Dundas Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their YouTube page, Dundas Seventh-day Adventist Church. West Coast Choir will now sing because he lives. the 
Let's listen to Bill Ackland as he reads from his book, Talking with God. The prayer today is entitled, For the Holy Spirit in My Life. And the matching text is from John 16, verse 26. When the Father sends the Comforter to you, who is the Spirit of Truth, He will give witness of me. And the matching thought, The members of the Godhead have always had a connection with humanity. In Eden, before and at the time of the first sin, when banished from the garden, and then through the sacrificial services, through the prophets, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the special gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and through godly men and women down through the ages. Shall we pray now? Dear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how grateful we are for the Saviour's promise for someone to guide, to lead, and to prompt us to remember the ways and words of God. These were expressed through the Son of Man as he taught and blessed the people. His words were not only for those who could see and hear him speak in Aramaic, but for us for whom English, Spanish, Fijian, or Nepalese is our native tongue. Without the omnipresence of the Spirit, what hope would the world's billions have of understanding the Word, of coming to repentance, and of experiencing the new birth, which opens to us the way to eternal life? Every day we need to be kept from falling, when Satan pushes us, and when we do fall, for the Holy Spirit to pick us up and set our direction heavenward again. Most of all, we need the Spirit's help as we interact with others day by day. When we are tempted to speak without forethought, without thinking of the effect and consequences of what we say. Words, unlike water off a duck's back, don't always slide off, dropping silently to the ground. So often they sink into another's soul and heart and cause pain we never envisage. So Holy Spirit, please don't give up on me, as I am so often tempted to give up on myself. But instead persist with this poor soul for whom my dear Saviour died. If there is something worthwhile to polish and perfect, please keep working on me while yet I have breath, until the spiritual struggles are over, and in that fairer world I see my God who has made it all possible, and I shall bow down forever at his feet, singing a never-ending song of praise. In the triune God's name I pray. Amen. To obtain your copy of Talking With God, written by Bill Ackland, give us a call in Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. It's been a pleasure bringing you this program here on 3ABN Australia Radio.